morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, if you have a Red Bull, a coffee, or pre-workout, in my case, in your hand, put it down, throw it out the window. And the reason for that is we got everything you need because it's the CEO of Zoom Info. It's Mr. Henry Shuck, and he's lighting the show on fire today. Nick, why should people listen? Armand, you and I recently released a section of our newsletter called Energy Drinks with Nick because apparently sometimes I bring the energy and I couldn't match Henry. He was phenomenal. This guy knows his stuff as it relates to selling. And he also is so good at infusing the way that he sells with conviction. And that is an underrated skill in sales. And so if you want to learn from Henry, some of his pet peeves when he's being sold to, ways to multi-thread, and how to actually sell with some energy, this one is worth the listen. And then this episode's going to give you some wings. And so a three, a two, a one, a whoosh. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Did you know that 60% of proposals are viewed on a mobile device, which means if you're sending a tech stock or a slide deck, the formatting is going to look really ugly and you're going to make a bad impression. Luckily, our friends at Quiller are here to help. Quiller pages are built on the web, which means they're mobile responsive and they actually look good on a cell phone. And Quiller is having an offer right now to upgrade your proposal from an ugly tech stock to a Quiller page for free. So you can see what your boring proposal looks like as a beautiful Quiller page. There is a link in the show notes to take advantage of the offer. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them, look at this amazing offer, and a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. All right, Henry, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. 
Okay, so my first one is push for the next step on a sales call, especially when things are going well, especially when you have good rapport with your prospect. So many sales reps get that good rapport. They just, they feel so good about the rapport they built and where their prospect is telling them things are going that they don't do the necessary sales process steps. They don't ask for the follow-up. They don't ask how a decision gets made. They don't ask to bring power to the next call. So always set up the next step, especially when things feel like they're going in your direction. Beautiful. What's number two? Number two is when you get asked a question in the sales process and there is a yes or no answer to that question, always begin your answer by saying yes or no. And then if there's an explanation that's required after that, then give the explain. I see so many salespeople get asked a simple yes or no question. And instead of saying yes, we do that, or no, we don't do that. They go, well, let me explain first this, then that, and then we have this really special technology that does all this special stuff. And so, yes, we do do that. And it just, it frustrates prospects. You lose a tremendous amount of credibility because you didn't just tell them like, yes, we do that, or no, we don't do that. So answer yes or no questions with the yes or no first, then get into the nuance. Stellar. Round us out. What's number three? Number three is you should be leveraging job postings and the career page of your prospects or customers' websites before you get on a call with them every single time. Job posts are filled with interesting information about the company. You know, if our sales guys are going on a call, I'm asking them to look up the account executive job post, the VP of sales' job post, the director of sales' job post. That will tell you exactly what your prospects and your users are going to be metrics against, uh, responsible for, held accountable for. And then you can go into a call and line that up. Hey, I looked at your job posting. It said that you're going to be responsible for doing cold outreach, cold email, cold calling. Let me show you how 35,000 customers leverage us exactly for that. It's this key piece of intelligence that makes you more insightful, but also in a really easy, effortless way, tells your prospect you did some work before you showed up to the call. And it takes three minutes and it creates a ton of credibility for you when you start that sales process. So Henry, let's talk about this concept of sticking to the fundamentals, sticking to the good habits, breaking the bad habits. I want to bring you to the beginning of a call. You and I jump on a discovery call. I'm a rep. I'm trying to sell you something. What is the most common fundamental or that area of discomfort that you oftentimes see reps breaking? Totally. This one's pretty easy. The number one thing I see reps doing is they show up and they actually feel like less than their prospect. Maybe you're like 27 years old and your prospect is a 40-year-old VP of sales at this fast-growing company. And you think that because of their success, that you're less than them. So you got to show up and just spew as much information as possible at them. So they realize that you know what you're talking about so that they realize, and I to say realize in quotes that, you know, you're not just some young sales guy who doesn't know what they're doing. 
When in reality, at the beginning of that call, the number one thing you should be doing is asking questions. They should be informed questions. So you should have like looked at their website, understood who they are, thought about a customer example you wanted to share. That's really easy. You don't need to be an expert to do that. But then you show up and you ask questions. You ask questions to understand their business. You ask questions to to uncover a pain. You ask questions so that the rest of the call, after that five minutes of questions, can be tailored and specific to them. And if you get super nervous up front and you never get to those questions and you're not good enough to hear the answers to those questions and then respond for the rest of the call with something that's specific around those responses, then you just show up looking less prepared and less specific to the prospect. So don't waste those five minutes by trying to just spew a bunch of information. Sit back, ask questions, try to really understand the business. When I go on sales calls today, you know, most of my time is spent trying to understand the customer's business and asking a whole bunch of questions about it. If there's a 30-minute call, 20 minutes of it is me asking questions, tell me what's important, what's not going well, how is the team organized, how are you thinking about new customers versus existing customer growth. And then the last 10 minutes, I go, okay. I've got a bunch of ideas about how I can help you. And that's a way more impactful call than let me just spit product information at you. I want to talk about one of the hard moments in the beginning of that call. So you just talked about the idea of equal footing with your prospect. Because I bet you get on calls, Henry, where the sales rep is literally shaking and you can tell they're, they're terrified of you and they lean into what they know, which is pitching their thing instead of actually trying to understand the business. And one of the ways you can inoculate against that is one of the things that you talked about earlier, which is showing up with, hey, I actually already looked at your your job posting and here are some things I know about you, which is a great thing to do if you are someone who gets nervous because you can do that work when you're not live on the call. You can prepare some of yep. those things. But there are times when you, as that 27-year-old rep, get on and there's that 45-year-old VP and they sort of hit you with a little bit of hardball where they say, ah, you guys are Zoom Info. I already know what Zoom Info does. You don't need to ask me all these questions. Just show me a demo or just give me a quote. When you're a salesperson in that tough situation where someone your senior is smacking you in the face, how do you recommend somebody responds to reset or reframe that conversation? Yeah, so I would lean on, you know, a couple of key talking points. Number one, I would probably say like, hey, listen, we see customers throughout a a whole spectrum of maturity levels. Some are like, they just come in and they want company and contact information. That's all they need. Others want to automate their go-to-market motion. And so what I want to give you a quote for, I want to try to understand where on that spectrum you are. Because for two things, one, I want to give you a quote for what you actually need. And two, I want to tell you about things that are going to let you get more value out of the Zoom Info solution. I will tell you that the number one thing I hear from our customers is, I didn't know you guys did that. And I want to set you up to be in a situation where you never have to actually say that, where you know what we do and you're able to leverage it to get the full value out of our solution. And so I just want to ask you a couple of questions to understand where you sit on that spectrum and make sure that I'm delivering the platform to you in a way that you can take the most advantage of it and get the most value out of it. I don't ever want you to be in a situation where in the worst case scenario, you go out and buy another vendor for something that you already paid for 
inside of Zoom Info because you didn't know it did that. And so let me ask you a few questions to make sure that you're never in that situation. Henry, I want to go down this path a little bit more. My guess is, especially when you're being brought into these big enterprise deals, you're not selling in absence of competition, right? And my guess is when you're talking to a CRO of a massive multi-billion dollar company, you need to find a way to differentiate that is probably not at the feature functionality level of we have this many more contacts or we have these two or three widgets that the other guys don't have. And so when I'm speaking at the CRO or at the CEO or at the COO level, how do you go about painting a different competitive vision without getting pulled down into the weeds? If I don't start upfront by asking you the things that are important to you, what the goals for this year are, where you think the organization is strong, where you think the organization is weak, where you see dollars slipping through your fingers, then I don't have an opportunity to tell you like, I can solve that problem. I can solve that problem and I can solve that problem. And obviously for Zoom Info, data is at the foundational level of how I solve that problem. But software plugging into the motion is the actual tactical way that the problem gets solved. And so I'm listening for all of these key points that they're making about things that are going to actually keep them from being successful in the next year. So for example, someone might tell me, Our sales reps don't have enough leads. Okay, that's a pretty basic one. And I might say, okay, is it that they don't have enough leads or is it that they don't have enough good leads? That might be two very different things. And they'll say, well, marketing doesn't send us very good leads. Great. And how much is marketing spending to drive traffic to your website? Oh, a lot. We're doing this, content syndication, that, great. And so then I'm going, okay, well, I know that Out of 100 people who come to your website, only one or two fill out a form on your website. The others are just anonymous. And so right then and there, I'm saying like, would it be beneficial for you to run a motion behind the companies that visited your website who didn't identify themselves? Yes. Great. That's a really valuable intent signal when a company comes to your website and you're not doing anything with it, but your marketing team has already spent the money to drive awareness and traffic to the website. Let's go look at that cohort and actually turn what is not a lead into an actual lead for your sales team. And I'll show you a motion about how to do that. But anything that they're telling me, I'm trying to craft a solution that leverages Zoom Info to do that. And it's never... It's never like, oh, well, we have 260 million contacts and our closest competitor has 150 million contacts. Like wrapping your head around the difference between 150 and 260 million contacts is next to impossible. And so I'm always looking at how do I solve your problems? Because ultimately, if you're telling me it's a problem and then I solve it, there is value on the other side of that that's being realized that I can't realize if I'm just selling you company information and contact information. So this is all the best practice of when you see a rep or yourself selling to another executive well. I actually want to ask you about when you are buying software or when someone is trying to sell to you. My guess is there are some people who do things extremely well like this, but my guess is there are some people who also lose you in the first five to 10 minutes of the conversation, whether it's due to the information they're presenting or the quality of their questions. What are the common things that can lose the room with the CEO 
in the first 10 minutes of a call? When I show up to a call, what I want you to be able to do is ask me some questions about my business that are not generic. You can't ask me like how big we are or, you know, what our revenue goal is or something that's like too broad. You know, like I don't want too broad of questions. I want it specific. And you can have five minutes to do that after that 10 even. But after that, what I really want is for you to give me some insights. Teach me something that I don't already know. Teach me something that you're seeing your best clients do. Teach me some way or some function or process that we're not running at Zoom Info that best-in-class companies are. And couch it like that. Because if you can teach me something and then your product delivers that thing, I'm so much more likely to buy from you. And so ask me the questions and then deliver for me insights on how I can better run my business or better run a process in my business. And obviously for you, bonus points, if that aligns with what your product delivers for me. That's what I want. You know, ask me questions, deliver me insights that I didn't know. Outside of that, I'm not really looking for anything else in that sales call. And if I walk away going like, they're super smart and very insightful, and they're clearly delivering value for the best companies in the world, I definitely want to do business with them. I think this is where a lot of sellers screw things up is they say, all right, I've got 30 minutes with Henry on the books and they always get taught, I've got to run great discovery. And what they end up doing is they drag you through 27 minutes of discovery and you end the call and you're like, I don't really know what you do. I can give a tip here, Nick. If you're coming to a call with me, that means you've had many calls with our team before you showed up on my call. You need to turn my team into your champion. And so in that run-up, you need to be sitting down with my team and saying, hey, got the call with Henry. It's in three days. Tell me how calls with Henry go. What does he care about? Does he know about these things? Who are the companies that he respects the most? What is he going to respond to in the product the most? Is there some initiative he's talked about internally that aligns to this solution that we can be talking about? And then even if you show up and you go, hey, Henry, I spent a good amount of time with your team. And what they told me was you care most about these five things. Boom, 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 boom. Is that right? Or would you add anything or take anything away from this list? I am yours, right? Like I'm totally engaged at that point. The five things are going to be pretty aligned with my, with what I care about because my team gave it to you. But if you're not taking an opportunity to turn my team into, you know, G2 operatives for you, you're just totally missing that. Now, what I tell my team all the time is to do this, but to think about us as partners all of a sudden. Because in a sales process, I'm the seller, you're the buyer. Sometimes it feels adversarial. When you're going up the ladder, that is the best opportunity to change the perspective of the sale from like me trying to convince you to us trying to convince the next ladder up. You all of a sudden can, you can take an opportunity to become teammates in the sales process. You have a champion. Don't forget that they can be your partner and your teammate as you go up the ladder. I think so many people 
like don't change perspective mid cycle. They keep on operating like it's, you know, me versus you. I'm trying to get you to my side. You've won the champion if they're opening the door to the VP or the CEO. Now get them on your team. I want to ask you, you mentioned earlier this idea of teaching the other person something that they didn't already know. And I'm wondering if you can voice over what that might sound like, because I'm thinking about a world where I get super, super granular and maybe even too in the weeds. I'm also thinking about in a world where I turn it into too much of a product pitch where it's like, you didn't know that our products can do A, B, and C. And they feel like I'm like, just pitching and pushing. And so I'm wondering if you can give me some pointers on the teaching the other person something they don't know and what that should look, sound, and feel like. Yeah. There's one that we use often here at Zoom Info that's just like uh, very easy. So I'll go, people who fill out a form on your website, would you agree that they are the best possible buyers of your products and services. They've come to your website. They've read some pages. They filled out a form. That's the best showing of intent. Can we agree to that? Yeah, totally. Definitely. Great. How quickly do you think you're responding to leads that come through your website? And almost without fail, people will tell me like, we're not very good at that. Maybe a day, maybe two days. What if I showed you research that tells you that if you get back to a person within five minutes of them filling out a form on your website, it 10Xs the likelihood that you will close that business. And then I'll show the research and then I'll go, let me show you how you could leverage Zoom Info to get back to every person who fills out a form within 90 seconds of them filling out a form and I'll show you how we do it. And so then it's like, it's exactly that, like identify a problem hey, we're not responding to leads fast enough. Every CRO is going to tell you that. Provide the insight. Hey, when you don't do that, you're actually leaving money on the floor. And this is just a process change. You know, it's not like that hard to respond to leads that fill out forms on your website. And then let me just show you how best-in-class companies do that using Zoom Info. You don't have to feel that way right? You don't have to feel like you're bad at this thing. We can help you be really good at it and it turns into money for you. As someone who is starting as a new rep, maybe it's my first time selling to revenue leaders. Maybe it's my first time selling for a company like Zoom Info. It takes some chutzpah to be able to go to a CRO and earn the right to be like, I'm going to tell you that your time to first touch is garbage, or I'm going to tell you that you're burning leads or you're wasting time on the wrong leads. How do I get to that level of industry knowledge and technical proficiency to be able to go toe-to-toe and actually have an executive who probably has 20 more years of experience than me, how do I actually get them to hear me out and command the room as someone who might be a mid-market or enterprise seller in their first couple of years of selling? Yeah, The way that I would do this is I would show up at my new company. I'd ask who are the best sales reps at the business. And then I'd go listen to their calls in chorus or whatever you use for conversation intelligence. I would go listen to those calls and I'd watch them in front of the most senior revenue leaders in the world. And I'd listen very closely to exactly what they say, how they say it. And then this is the missing piece. And then I would practice out loud doing the same thing. Because what so many people get wrong in the learning process in sales is they can hear something a hundred times. And when they actually go to say the words out loud, it's like a disaster. 
the first time, the second time, the third time, the fifth time. And so the best thing you can do is number one, hear what great sounds like, and then hear yourself out loud sound great. And if you can do those two things, you're like endlessly powerful in the sales process. Phenomenal. Henry, I wish we had more and more time, but we are running out on the clock. So we got to move to the final question. The final question is this. We've talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. Now I'm going to ask you about a shouldn't. And so the final question is, what is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? So I will tell you, there's a sign in the Zoom Info office that says, if you feel comfortable on all your calls, you're doing something wrong. And I really believe that sales is actually a process where you're getting rid of bad habits. You have all of these bad habits that are built up because social interactions and interactions with your friends and interactions with your family, you're not selling. You're just being yourself. You're not trying to persuade someone to an outcome. And so you've got a bunch of habits built up, you know, not challenging, not persuading, not being passionate about your point. If you go ask any of my friends, they'll tell you that the thing that they love most about me is that doesn't matter what the issue is, I am like all the way in on it. You could say like the, you know, the three second rule in paint in the paint in NBA. And I don't know that much about it, but give me a few minutes and I'll have a passionate viewpoint on one side or the other of it. And that's not very natural to any seller. You, so you have these habits that are built up in your social life and in your day-to-day experiences that you have to break. Asking, you know, pinning somebody down on follow-up when they feel like your best, your biggest advocate. That's just a bad habit that you're probably not doing that you need to break. You know, not asking them to bring power to the conversation because they feel like such a great champion of yours and they tell you right out the get-go, I get it, Henry. I get the value of Zoom Info. Let's just get this deal done. Not pressing that person is a bad habit that you have to break. And I think that sales great salespeople know that there are a whole whole bunch of bad habits that they need to break. Like when I first started selling at Zoom Info, I would have a voice in my ear every time I felt uncomfortable. And every time I felt like not doing that thing, that voice in my ear would just be like, do not not do the hard thing here. Do not not do the hard thing here. And then I would be embarrassed if I wouldn't do it. And so I would do it. And we were like worked in a big hallway where the other sellers that I was telling like, hey, do the hard things could hear me. And so I had to be a great role model. And so that was a great push. But you need to have that whisper in your ear every time you feel uncomfortable, every time you feel like you're, to- you're going to step over the line that tells you step over the line have the hard conversation, do the uncomfortable thing over and over and over and over again, because that's how you clear out those bad habits. Holy smokes, what an amazing episode. Henry, thank you for joining us. Everybody, stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there, in the email, explain how ZoomInfo helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by ZoomInfo's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes.
Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's sales email tip is brought to you by Lavender. If you want to get more replies to your sales emails, try removing exclamation points and question marks from your email subject lines. They cause open rates to plummet. Instead, make the subject line feel internal. It should be short, one to three words, and it should showcase the topic of the email, but also be about them. We sat down with Lavender and built a sales email framework guide with emails for every step of your sales process. And there is a link in the show notes to get it for free. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Henry Shuck include number one, do not let the fear of breaking rapport prevent you from sticking to your sales fundamentals. That might mean if rapport is going super well and you have a minute left to book your next call, book the next step. Number two, answer yes or no questions and shut up. That's it. Number three, figure out their vision through discovery first. And then tell the story of their business in terms of how other world-class teams use you to achieve that exact same vision. And lastly, number four, turn the CEO's team into champions before you meet with Henry. In other words, you should be using the department leads or your champions to get the inside scoop on the economic buyer. What do they care about? What pisses them off in meetings? What's important to them? What are the types of things that go well or don't go well when you meet with this person? All righty, Nick. How can people help us out here? Don't help us out. Send Henry a thank you. If you got some value from this episode, send him a note on LinkedIn and let him know that you enjoyed his appearance on the show. He took a lot of time out of his day to prepare for this episode and join us. And so it would mean a lot to us if you sent him a thank you and told him to hurt him on 30 NPC. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week on this podcast. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them.